Hello everyone, this is Lee Nichols. I'm the Editor-in-Chief and Associate Publisher of Hydrocarbon Processing Magazine, and I'm going to welcome you all to the latest installment of Hydrocarbon Processing's podcast series, The Main Column. Today we're going to be looking at converting a petroleum diesel refinery for renewable diesel. So this is featured in the upcoming April issue of Hydrocarbon Processing Magazine, and it was written by Aaron Chan of Burns & McDonald. Now, before we get started, I would like to invite all of you to register for IRPC Process. It is the latest virtual global event that we'll be hosting in early June of this year. The event will actually focus primarily on processing technologies in the refining and petrochemical industries. That's conventional processes as well as energy transition processes. So, the conference is free, but you do have to register to join. So to do that, you can go to the hydrocarbonprocessing.com website. Under the events tab, simply click on IRPC process. It'll take you right to the site. You can view the agenda as well as register there. So we look forward to seeing all of you there in early June. So now, converting a petroleum diesel refinery for renewable diesel. As refiners consider renewable low-carbon alternatives, renewable diesel refined from agricultural products using petroleum refinery processes is gaining traction. Rather than constructing new grassroots renewable diesel production units, refineries with existing hydro-processing units may be able to increase their speed to market with conversion projects. The use of fossil hydrocarbons has fostered growth and prosperity more than any other fuel resource in modern times. Today's stronger focus on environmental, social, and governance issues have driven interest in more sustainable alternatives. Renewable diesel is on the rise among those who seek renewable and sustainable transportation fuels. Renewable diesel is refined from agricultural products, particularly vegetable oils, waste cooking oils, and animal fats that are sustainable and available. Because it uses the same hydrotreating and separation processes used for petroleum diesel, it employs the same basic infrastructure and equipment. Renewable diesel does not contain oxygen, eliminating the freezing, storage, and blending challenges associated with other renewable fuels, such as biodiesel. Because renewable diesel has the same chemical structure as petroleum diesel, it can be used in engines designed to run on conventional diesel fuel, a drop-in diesel substitute with no blending limit. Now, the question refiners interested in renewable diesel are asking is whether to build a new renewable diesel plant or convert an existing hydrocheater unit. For many, the answer may seem simple. Refiners often realize multiple benefits by converting an existing refinery hydrotreater unit rather than constructing a grassroots plant. Perhaps the most significant is time savings. A typical renewable diesel conversion project can be completed in approximately two years, or roughly half the time needed to design and build a new grassroots unit. Because the power, water, waste, utility and flare systems needed to support a hydrotreater for renewable diesel are already present in a refinery, a conversion project will cost less than a grassroots project. A renewable diesel plant on a greenfield site will require the addition of this new infrastructure. Even more than initial construction cost savings, the greater financial benefit of a conversion project is the ability it gives a refiner to get renewable diesel products to market more quickly. The largest market for renewable diesel fuel in the U.S. is California, where credits from the Federal Renewable Fuel Standards Program in combination with California's Low Carbon Fuel Standards, or LCFS, help make it cost competitive. At least 18 other states in Washington, D.C. have legislation in place for transportation fuel standards comparable to California. 
The refiners who are first to market in these states will be the biggest beneficiaries of fuel credits. Once the market is saturated, credit availability will likely decline. However, time to market is not the only factor to consider when choosing whether to convert an existing unit or build a new one. To determine if an existing unit is a good fit for conversion, it's important to evaluate the condition and usability of its existing equipment and ancillary systems. Process simulations and other analysis will likely be needed to demonstrate the viability of a conversion project. Some factors to consider include, one, high reaction exotherm. Now, whether using agricultural waste or crude oil, a hydrotreater's reaction releases heat when breaking chemical bonds in the feedstock. However, renewable diesel reactions are significantly more exothermic than petroleum diesel desulfurization reactions. Therefore, it is important for these units to be equipped with high liquid product recycle capacity that can be used to absorb this heat. It is also necessary to recalibrate production expectations based on the high product recycle through the unit. A hydrocheater that operates at 50,000 barrels per day for petroleum diesel production may only be able to accommodate 5,000 barrels per day of fresh feed when converted to renewable diesel. Number two, emergency depressurization systems. Because of the high heat release associated with renewable diesel reactions, hydrocheaters require emergency depressurization systems to manage the reaction safely in the event the recycle and quench systems fail. These systems quickly depressurize the reactor to a flare, stopping the reaction. Number three, hydrogen consumption. Renewable diesel reactions consume a significant amount of hydrogen. Therefore, refineries with excess hydrogen capacity are particularly good candidates for conversion projects. Refineries with limited hydrogen availability may need to budget for the construction of an additional hydrogen plant. Number four, feed train considerations. Depending on the quality of the renewable diesel feedstock, it may be necessary to upgrade the metallurgy in the unit's feed train system. For example, feedstock that is high in free fatty acids has the potential to create a corrosive environment. Another special consideration for renewable feedstocks is the potential for polymerization in the feed train. When hydrogen is absent, renewable feedstocks can polymerize, which causes gumming and fouling in the equipment. The addition of hydrogen could make the equipment susceptible to high-temperature hydrogen attack. One option is to update feed site metallurgy to protect against corrosive conditions. Another is to create two separate preheat trains with separate systems for liquid recycle and fresh feed. Number five, water and carbon dioxide production. Renewable diesel reactions produce water and carbon dioxide in much larger quantities than petroleum hydrotreaters, creating potential carbonic acid corrosion concerns downstream of the reactor. Metallurgy upgrades may be required on the reactor effluent air cooler system. Consideration must be given to the handling, treatment, and disposable of the extra water and carbon dioxide produced in these reactions. For example, if water is routed to the refinery's sour water stripper, it may produce high concentrations of our carbonic acid in the sour water streams, impacting how the water is treated and reused. Number six, heat tracing. The vegetable oils and animal fats used as feedstock become waxy and solidify at ambient temperatures. To load them into trucks and rail cards for shipment and later unload and charge them to a hydrotreating unit, these feedstocks must be in liquid form. That requires steam or electric heating tracing systems that raise the temperature of pipes, tanks, and vessels to liquefy the fats and oils. The addition of significant heat tracing capacity will likely be required for both existing hydro-treating infrastructure 
as well as the rail, truck, or barge piping and equipment used to store and transfer feedstock into the unit. Any of these factors could potentially give a refiner pause on a renewable diesel conversion project. More likely, they will provide insight on the right way to move forward. As they proceed, refiners must be prepared to face issues beyond these technical considerations. In a low-carbon fuel standard environment, renewable diesel projects must be able to account for the carbon they emit. Therefore, refiners must approach these projects holistically, measuring carbon intensity at every step along the path. From the farm fields to the end product's final delivery, producers must look for ways to lower the carbon intensity at each step. Despite these challenges, the transition to renewable diesel will continue, and the time for refiners to consider their options is now. We want to thank you for listening to the latest installment of Hydrocarbon Processing's podcast series, The Main Column.